Welcome to another Sitting Dockside, which we're back, Troy and Matt. To, we're uh, back, baby. We're, we're back. back. Another great season. I'm excited. We talk a bunch about what's coming up in the future, where we've been the last couple you know, months, while we've been on a little sabbatical, and it's going to be really cool stuff for what's coming up. Troy? Apologize for the absence. Uh, we had, you know, one of us works a lot, one of us doesn't, won't name any names. One of us had COVID. One of us did not. Won't name any names. So we've been we've been struggling. But listen, you can find us pwnra.org. Go to the site, check it out, listen to the podcast. You can get the podcast on any podcast streaming service you want. You can go check us out on the Facebook page, Lake and Pond Management Questions, Content, and Community. Everything you need to know about fish life comes from either this podcast pwnra.org or the Facebook page, Lake and Pond Management, questions, content, and community. Hey, Siri, play Sitting Dockside. Hey, Alexa, play Sitting Dockside. (laughs) Well, we're your hosts, Matt Rail and my Tennessee buddy, Troy Goldsby. Together, we have been working with Lakes and Ponds for over 40 years. And during that time, we have picked up on a ton of tips and tricks from lake owners and experts from all over the country. So if you want to learn how to catch some smiles from your kids or grandkids on your lake, or learn how to grow some memories on your pond, then come sit with us on Sitting Dockside. Hey, welcome to another Sitting Dockside. Well, it's been a while, Troy. Been a, it's been a long while. It's been a long while. There have been, been several. COVID finally caught up to at least uh, my family. And so after that, life and business kind of caught up, I think, for both of us. And uh, we are now <laughs> in the time that we can maybe get back in the swing of things. But from your host and your guest host, we sincerely apologize for the lapse in material because we know y'all are out there dying of thirst needing this podcast. Yeah, well, we did it. We hit, we got a lot of slack for taking some time off. So this year, I think what we're going to do is we're going to plan ahead and have a whole season almost to fulfill the whole whole year on the podcast so we got a pretty cool lineup already for this year this season's uh podcast we got troy we have mike freeze down there and the keel fish farm uh love it he is the goat when it comes to hybrid striped bass uh he's going to talk about some really cool stuff we got a couple professional fishermen i am not telling you the names because they are going to I just cool. I actually just got a text message with confirmation from one of them. <laughs> yeah, talking about a little bit of fishing in the private waters and um maybe a little tips and tricks to help you uh help you a little a little uh, help the fishing out there at your house. So, private waters are a little different sometimes in big reservoirs, so bringing back the old hula popper and the Bouncy frog in the back of the tackle box may not be what you need here at your at your house around the feeder, but and, the, and y'all, uh, I, I I do feel like I should explain a little bit more about the laps. I I have two full time careers and COVID hit. Matt has a part time career in fisheries, <laughs> so he's literally reared back like a flip in his uh, Indiana home uh, in the cold, not doing much these days. Uh, right. Us Southern guys are still working rampantly i will say that today actually one of our guests is going to be on here i stocked his place put used the heel of my boot there was a shin, thin sheen of glass right on this lake had to use the uh 
heel of my boot to break through that thin piece of ice and and stop the fish in there. And that it, I tell you what, I kind of like it because it's kind of like you're fishing. I mean, you're stocking these fish in like glass because you can see every single one of them. No, I mean, you know, like a peek through. So you see how they do and they swim off. It's kind of cool. But uh, we don't do it very often. But every once in a while, you got to you got to get a few fish through the ice. Yeah, if you don't do it now, you won't be able to get through the ice. So that's right. Our things, you, you, our ice is not getting thinner. But uh, we got one more good week. Hopefully, get everything out of the barn and get them stocked. That'd be great. We, we, you know, here in the South, our winters have gone really to just kind of a fall-like scenario. We don't have much of a winter anymore, so everything still kind of uh, rolls on. We still have plants growing and Jeez. fish being stocked, and customers wanting lakes built and. A lot of wet weather, though. It's been an extremely wet year, so that's that's yep. been challenging. That's true. Let's talk about a little bit what's coming up. We talked about a little bit last year on last year's podcast that a uh, really cool guy I like, he's probably going to be listening to this today, small body of water, but has pretty much hammered for two years, going on three years, just harvesting, 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 and his goal was to harvest every single largemouth that he could could. And he is, and we electrofish there too, harvest them there, and it's going to be interesting. His results, this is year three, he has improvements of what, he was at a bass crowded scenario, and just with creel surveys, rod and reel, and a pen and a piece of paper and a scale um, and a tape measure, what he's done there. So it's going to be really neat. What he That's has, awesome. How, how yes. big is the road, how big is the water body? It's not very big. It's a, it's a, and it's kind of interesting shape. It's two one acre ponds kind of together, like a figure eight. So, so cool. he has to go on both sides. Yeah, it's interesting. That'll be cool. That'll be in, in the near future. We have a ton of guys coming back on water quality um, and a lot of fishery work in the, in the itinerary. I just want to, I don't want to tell everybody the whole year because we'd be here, we'll just do the whole podcast, but. Troy, during your sabbatical here and time off from sitting dockside, anything cool happened to you? Meet anybody? I got, meet? I got COVID. Yep. Uh, and it was bad. It was horrible. It was not fun. Um, I was I was down and out uh, for two weeks for sure. Uh, and the fatigue that I experienced and actually still have some of the fatigue was was quite phenomenal. Uh, it was not good. Uh, so the moral of the story is don't get COVID. Okay. Um, it's just no fun. <laughs> so, uh, did I meet some new people? No, no, I did some cool stuff. We, we, uh, wrote and owned a couple of large water bodies. We're actually wrote and on another one tomorrow. You know, at some point in these water bodies, they get so out of shape and so poor, uh, that it makes more sense to start fresh. Uh, with new fish and you will see a lot of times better and quicker results than trying to fix a current population. So uh, we wrote known to 70 acre lake this year. Uh, we're going to do a, we're wrote known in a 25 acre lake on Monday. We're doing a five acre lake uh, tomorrow. We're starting all these lakes over fresh with new forage and new bass genetics and just going to try to make them better. So just, uh, we, we've been doing some cool stuff. We've been doing some large scale aquatic plant stuff like we always do, but, uh, you know, just trying to focus on, uh, really good bass management techniques and, uh, helping clients that are really excited about, um, 
growing big, healthy, not only bass, but big, healthy uh, fisheries. So uh, that's what we've been doing. Yep. Just for the customers out there, account new to this rope known as a fish eradicate that usually a professional has to put out in most states and basically just is a made from a kind of an organic plant and dissolves. Over it is time. a, it, it, it typically comes, I think from South America, it comes from the root of a tree. And so in the areas of the world where that plant lives, uh, people in those areas will take the root and put it in a small bag and bash it in a creek and kill small areas of, of small fish for dinner. Uh, so here, though, it's used as a, a fish toxicant to eradicate entire populations of fish in smaller impoundments. Yep. And that's what we use it for. Usually on, on rough fish or if, if something's gone AWOL so much that it would cost so much money to to repair it, it's a whole lot more affordable to, to do this this way. Now, also... I'm going to ask the same question to myself. The uh, thanks for the layup there, Troy. I was You're welcome. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> what was I supposed to say? Oh, hey, Matt, what have you been doing in the past few months? <laughs> I'll answer for myself. I'm already on. I'm already. Uh, I'm already answering those questions, Troy. The uh, it's been it's been an interesting uh, and very busy summer. Uh, we have done more fish work I ever done, stocked more fish than I have ever done. Um, there's so many cool things I cannot be able to explain too well. Yeah, so just time. so y'all know, just so y'all know, Matt typically works from the 1st of June to the 1st of October. And that's what I anticipated from him this year. And starting about middle of October, he was like, I got one more week. I got one more week. I got one more week. And he still has one more week. Apparently. I got so one more week. I maybe more maybe, week. Glo- maybe maybe global warming has reached Indiana and Matt's going to be a little busier than what he typically <laughs> is. Or or maybe he's just expanding his, his radius of influence. That's right. So. That is correct. Yeah, so I keep saying one more week, but things are just doing, doing uh, getting busier and busier. Uh, but the, we did do some cool stuff with the um, University of Purdue. Uh, I got permission to use their name. And we've had some guys from Purdue on the shows. And they've done some really cool stuff with, with private water. But they started to, uh, they got a grant to raise walleye that are feed trained. To You told me about that. Love it. Tell to, us about that. To reduce the uh, overall harvesting of wild caught fish, especially in the Great Lakes. And they were seeing if they could get on feed. And last year, we uh, they got them on feed and got with some brood stock. And then this year, they got them on feed and they did really well. So we put those out. We're going to study those um, for a few years, see what's going on, and then uh, try it again next year on the grant and see what we learned. But they, they did really well on feed and grew uh, like freshman basketball players. So I was really impressed. Good. Uh, it was. It'll be interesting what they do in, pro- in big bodies of water. A lot of people say, you know, how big will they grow and how fast do they grow? And and it's just one of those questions that you say, I have, I don't know. We don't so know. So we'll could I potentially, if I had one or two clients that would like walleye in deeper lakes that are somewhat Southern, could I get some of those? We've talked about this before. Yes, you can get them uh all the permits are right and everything else you, i don't think they would do any problem with the permits. what's a per, what's a permit 
<laughs> you know better than I do that permits a lot of what we do anymore. But I think as far as biologically, they would do just fine. Uh, they they tolerate more uh, warmer, more warmer water. They're called a cool water fish, but I think they would tolerate very warm climates. Uh, I think the duration of that that warm spell would be important. But I think an overall what is their what is their maximum temperature range? I think they would be fine in the mid eighties. Really? I think they I've would. I've got one guy. I've got one guy that lives here that's from the north that has a really cool all female fishery that's really deep, probably forty five feet deep. Uh, I bet he could get some pretty good survival. Yes, they would go into topor, and a lot of. I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of research that we've done, especially in the Great Lakes, they will not go that they will perish a lot cooler than that. But a lot of these newer species, these uh, broodstock will get a little bit hotter. Same thing with the yellow perch. Those yellow perch are, are one of the coolest things that we've been working on as far as feeding and how they tolerate worse and worse water quality. I think those would be a neat fish for you though, Troy, to try down there. Alongside. I've seen yellow perch. I've seen yellow perch stock occasionally uh, in some of the northern uh, Tennessee areas uh, and up on the Cumberland Plateau and some of those areas. I've seen them stock, but uh, it's not very common. Yeah, so. I don't think they would get out and go crazy. I think it's going to be a traditional stocking they have to do every year. But as far as just another species diversity, it's one of those you may want to look at. I think it's going to be neat. They just, well, buddy, done. I have. We have thrown the we have thrown the toolbox at fish this year from goldfish to golden shiners to small trout. I mean, we have, we have thrown everything at our big bass that we know to throw at them. So <laughs> you have, that's yeah. To, just to keep them, keep, keep them healthy. Yeah. To keep them, you, it's just tremendous. I don't think people really understand how much a 10 pound large mouth has to eat to maintain 10 pounds, not alone to get to 11, you know, yeah. And that would be about, that'd be about 60 pounds of forage. And, uh, so. people just, and that's, and to put that in another way, 60 pounds of, of forage, it would be quick math would be, I'm, I'm going to see how many bluegill is 60 pounds of forage, uh, 32 pound, a 35 pound, three to five inch medium bluegill per thousand. Probably not, that's probably not big enough for a bass to really, that a bass that size needs to eat, but. But just just for simple, just for simplicity. Holy moly! So you're looking almost at two thousand three to five inch bluegill just to put one pound on one fish. Now do the math on that in terms of what it would cost to feed that fish. That would come out to probably depends on where you're buying them from. But <laughs> uh, two thousand. Two thousand. Just say you're looking at you know probably something in the neighborhood of. Um, thousand bucks or something. Thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks. Make quick, yeah, thousand twelve hundred bucks. That's just if it if your lake just didn't produce at all, at all. Yeah, you had to you had to feed that fish every single day, every single meal. Uh, you know, and their availability of three to five inch bluegill. So that's just why uh, a lot of the fundamentals that we've discussed in a lot of the other podcasts is so important. Speaking of, uh, as we're continuing this podcast. One big donor, Mitchell Morton, been on the show, talked about shoreline stabilization. Great saxophone player. 
uh and awesome band the more i'm more i talk with them the more i appreciate them the more i respect them uh great guy great biologist and uh president of slmp uh and That's slmp right. is society of lake management professionals uh it is basically where we go to get a lot of our collaboration and and to see what's new into the world new industries new products new intellect and to kind of get our learn on um for the guys out there yeah nerds yeah for the nerds and uh what we also do is it's a it's a really cool place for keeping the industry in a basically peer-reviewed kind of uh you know judgment by peers and so yeah so listen here's the thing we we came together to form an industry and it was it was uh, me and uh, Greg Grimes originally approached everybody, and then Matt and Mitchell Morton, and Jeff Slipke, and uh, Wade uh, Wade Bales, and uh, uh, David Beasley. I mean, some of the guys from Solitude. So there was a lot of us that came together, and it was more of a knowledge sharing thing based on what small businesses in our industry see and what we need to do to elevate our industry. Uh, and so when you're looking for companies that you want to utilize, um, there should be one relatively close to you that is an accredited member of the Society of Lake Management Professionals. Uh, and if they're not, stroll on to one that is. Yep. That's where we're going. And so, yes, just make sure when you're looking for somebody to manage your lake, stock your fish, ask them that question. Just simply ask them if, if they're a member. Um, that will, And if they're a accredited member, they have to, they have to go through some, uh, make sure they're insured to make sure they have to do some hoops to make sure that they get accredited. So we, we have is, to abide by some standards that we want to be, uh, relevant and present in the industry. And if a company's not doing that for the customer, um, you should simply ask why they're not doing that. And, and this is not a, this is not really a commercial for SMP. It's, they are a full disclosure, a gold sponsor for private water natural resources, which is the organization to educate private pond owners. They are a gold sponsor, but the reason they're at a gold sponsor is they believe in the education themselves and they believe in this industry as themselves. So I feel that uh, that is one thing you need to take a look and, and ask. And then you said a guy who is uh, put a lot of time and effort. Um, and actually we have a podcast already taped of uh, recording weights and links with an app, Smartfish app. The Smartfish app, Wade Bales. Wade uh, Bales. One of the one of the best fisheries biologists that both of us know and uh, does an extraordinary job, especially in the world of kind of that South Carolina and Southern Georgia area and uh, excellent biologist. Well, he's seen the benefits of harvesting and told what, how to harvest fish and why you need to harvest fish and um and so he created an app and uh, uh, he has done some really neat things with that app. It's called Smartfish app. And he has actually is going to do some interesting uh, work along PWNRA members and allowing them access to that app. A little more details will come further as, as they come in. There's some things that we need to put together on the website and that. So as you listen to the podcast and become a member, and those of you that are existing members, you will get 
some really cool access to that app. So as a benefit to, to being involved and trying to educate who you are and what you're doing. And also there's some other sponsors out there that would like to be more involved in this podcast, which we've had some conversations to. Um, and uh, so that'll be kind of what we need to talk about in the next future podcast. So this has been a really good time to take away uh, from the podcast. Why, why we'll still, we weren't doing the podcast. We were still kind of thinking about it and people were listening. And, and so it's been really neat to see uh, how people are wanting to contribute in, in different ways. So, yeah. And, and one of us, again, I'm not pointing any fingers, but one of us again works all the time and the other one only works part-time. So just keep that in mind. Yep, that's right. <laughs> you know, our days are longer up here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Stephen, yeah, Barton, Stephen, Stephen, Barton, Stephen Barton agrees with me. Stephen Barton agrees with me. Uh, yeah, you guys, I don't think even you've been up here to know. how. You know, Greg Grimes mentioned that he, he alluded to the fact that I was potentially the second best biologist in the country making that seem like he was the best biologist in the country. But <laughs> uh, I said, are you referring to Steve Barden? But I was doing that tongue in cheek because everybody knows that I'm the best one in the country. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a list that fall behind me. So. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll, we'll give you that unofficial. Um, if I y'all can just let me be a legend in my own mind. That's right. Hey, let's talk about, let's just, instead of, Talking about me, let's talk about minnows. Yeah, which one? We get a lot of people on the on the Facebook page, which is Troy Lake and Pond Management questions, content, and community. Bingo! We get the a lot best of fisheries. The best fisheries Facebook page on Facebook. Not only Facebook fisheries, it does yeah, a ton of lake management stuff. If you have uh, any involvement, any questions, that's a good place to go to to get a quick responses on there. There's a lot of active members and it's growing like crazy. The, we get a lot of our content from that uh, Facebook page, from the questions that are asking. And there's been a kind of a diversified thoughts and almost uh, aggressive thoughts on a little tiny fish Called the fad minnow. Uh, you wouldn't be referring to uh, a pimphilus promulus, would you? The great grandson of uh, E2 Brute. I mean, that is a that is a true, like emperor, like Caesar name. Yes, but that's that's his that's his little Latin name. Yeah, I know they they pimphilus, are pimphilus. Just say it, Matt. Pimphilus promulus. That's gorgeous. It does sound like you uh, you just came down from the Greek god. Brutus Brutus should have said E2 Pimpolis Pimpolis Promulus. <laughs> Pimpolis. No, the, <laughs> the what I got to say about that is, and they have been cursed because if, and I tell people this, I'm going to tell you a little biology about the fathead manna. And you probably already know, but I'm going to for the listeners just to, because I think it's cool. These fish will, uh, I, I, I think if they were even grew to 12 inches long, I think they would be the coolest fish on the planet. It, when you stock them, they do 
a celebratory dance almost and walk on their tails and jump. And, you know, like they almost, you know, it's like a gratitude of freedom when you put them out. It's really kind of cool. The customers always laugh as they, as they go out. The fathead minnow uh, do some really cool uh, spawning behaviors. They're the only fish that I know of that actually makes a nest, but the male will change the morphology of their bodies as much as a sockeye salmon. So he will change his general shape as much as a sockeye salmon does when it goes into fresh water. And basically he gets this gigantic blackhead, hence the name, fathead minnow, and gets these tubular pimple suction cups like things on the top of his head and then come behind the female and grab her eggs and then lay the eggs above them on attached to a rock above them. So if you have a rock, let's say as big as a softball in your beach area, you'll walk up and in front of that rock will look like a hoof of a cow, you know, kind of bored out. And then you look down there and this little tiny two inch minnow will be going in and out like a little kid on red Kool-Aid just won't <laughs> stop. And black, I mean, black is night. And he basically there, and we always tell the customers to do that, put a couple big rocks along the beach and you can come in and grab that rock. And I advise you to do it, look underneath and it'll be two or 300 eggs attached to the bottom of that, egg, that, that rock. They're very prolific spawners. They do very well. They're very oily, but they just, the Greek God cursed them in size because they just don't get big. And they don't get big and they don't really keep up with, uh, in general, they don't keep up with the amount of predation that occurs from every species generally above them in the food chain. So, um, and we love them. Obviously, we stock them with every new leg. Uh, that we are stocking. If we are stocking fresh, we add them. Uh, we typically don't go back in subsequent uh, forage stocking procedures or supplemental stocking procedures and add fathead minnows. Now, with that being said, I had an interesting conversation with uh, Brian Grab about this one time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it could be that one of the problems in the Southeast is that getting fathead minnows in bulk uh, at the right price is more difficult than it is possibly in the north um, so if i could stock at the right price thousands of these little bitty golden goodies uh, i think you could potentially see some um, bass growth in the southeast from eating fathead minutes because they're just such an easy target and they have so little um, in bone density they're just kind of a little uh, protein nugget uh, for the bass, which is awesome. And they can grab a bunch of them at one time. The problem is, is what we see on Facebook pages is somebody with a five acre lake. We're like, man, you know, a little bass crowded. I just stocked 10 pounds of fathead minnows. Well, that's great, but you just, you might as well have thrown the dollar bills in the water because you really didn't do anything to improve your fishery in terms of overall bass health or uh, fishery health. Yeah. So, to add to that, there's a few things I need to add. And you said golden nugget. There is a offshoot in coloration with the fathead minnow that are slightly red. They call them rosy reds, and they're rosy like reds. Gold. Yeah, 
they look like goldfish, but they're fat minnows. You can get those at some, sometimes some haulers will have them. Uh, if we request them, we can get them. And like Troy said, during the initial stocking of every single pond that we, or, or lake that we do, no matter what the size, we do at least, uh, you know, five to 10 pounds of, f- of fathead minnows per surface acre. During we do, that, we do, tw- and, and we do 20, 20. And mm-hmm. I, and it's not like you can't get enough. You just got to get them very established. A lot of times they'll, they'll spawn so well. Uh, we want them to almost look like we can walk across the lake because there's so many fish and fathead minnows in these, in these bodies of water during that time and during that development. And I'll tell you why is because this fathead minnow does a very good job. It has no predator when it, when it has no predator above it, they do a very good job in reproduction and everything in their brother wants to eat them. They're they're like a little T-bone steak. You know, if there was a two inch T-bone steak, that's what they would be. And they're very nutritious, very oily, very fatty, and very high in protein. Takes a lot of energy to get a lot of them. And I'll, branch on that in a second but the as the initial stocking of a pond you don't have any bass in it and they won't bring your bass in there sometimes they're three inches long sometimes they're two and sometimes we're six depending on the situation and goals of the customer but as we stock those fish we want it to have so many of these little boogers out there that they these men these small bass will forage on them also giving our, our bluegill a little more time, a little more retux, re, reproduction cycles to reproduce so that bluegill just don't hammer on them because as soon as they hammer and get big enough that these things are basically costing energy to get these little nuggets, then the bluegill should be ready. And so there's no slag and growth on the initial stocking. So that's number one. Uh, fathead minnows, love them for that. Troy said bass crowded. My bass are skinny. We need to put some minnows. And there's some hatcheries, very reputable hatcheries that'll say, hey, let's just do this, put some fathead minnows in there. Well, that's the case. We talked about harvests already in half of this podcast and three or four podcasts before this. Harvesting is important. We're not going to go there. But if you got skinny bass, that means the bass are either have water quality issues, stress event, or they're not eating. And so you want the maximum amount of food that that bass can eat with the, with the least amount of energy to do it. And so as the fish will basically, if they're, they're marathon runners and have to work so hard, they're not going to get fat and they're not going to get big and not going to get long. The, and that's really what's happening to a lot of fisheries out there. So as you put fathead minnows, you throw 10 pound minnows, like Troy just said, I can't stress this much and reiterating a lot of what he just said is that, you put that out there, they're going to get forged on pretty heavy. You're not going to get any kind of, you just put 10 pounds of fish out there, but there's probably not going to be much recruitment, especially on a bass crowded pond. So what we, a lot of, a lot of times is harvest and stock bluegill. That might be a better way of, of, of stocking fish and trying to get that forage base more established because. Well, so here's what happens. If, if you're bass crowded, what you can typically see, uh, is a slot of bass that are, it's extremely crowded and they are missing the proper size forage to get past that, that size class. So the goal is in stocking extra forage is to, first of all, harvest bass so that you reduce predation, but then you have to build your bluegill numbers back up 
So you can put in the proper number of bluegill, but you also want to give them a chance to spawn at least once, maybe twice before the, the bass really start hammering on them. So you add a supplemental food source like golden shiners or threadfin shad or fathead minnows, but you have to be able to add these fish in the right numbers to remove the pressure from the bluegill so they have time to continue to reproduce before the bass start hammering on them. But the, 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 main, the main thing you have to do is, is harvest, 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 and then start building. the and, and after you've harvested a bunch, start building that forage base back. And you should see, depending on the age of the lake, you should see a turnaround in bass quality in a relatively short amount of time if you take out the proper number of bass. Yep. And it's not only with bass either. Uh, I mean, any predator, may it be walleye, yellow perch we talked about earlier, you know, smallmouth bass, hybrid striped bass is basically if they have food, good water quality, less stress, they're going to grow. So uh, we talk about largemouth just because they're so efficient at, at eating forage in a lot of small bodies of water. That's why we keep describing. Well, that. listen, here's here's what I and here's what I tell people about any type of uh, top end predator management or top end species management. Nobody looks at a field of cattle that is overloaded by 10 times too many cattle and go, man, that looks like a great scenario. Everybody's like, Hey, looks like there's too many cattle on that pasture. They need to take some off. There's no difference in, in managing fish or whatever your top end management mm-hmm. animal is. You have to remove some speed. You have to remove some of those numbers uh, right. and you have to provide, you have to provide them with the proper forage. That's it's right. no different yeah. in a fishery. Yep. So if your bass crowd kind of, Kind of a nutshell. Bass crowded. Fathead minnow is probably not what you need. Harvest and the best. Every great bass fishery has to have a good cornerstone of bluegill. Not exclusive bluegill, but has to have a pretty good abundance of bluegill in in ninety nine percent of the the scenarios. Yeah, the, and what I can tell you about that is when you see a reduction in the proper size bluegill, you can pretty well go ahead and make the educated guess that you were going to have a bass crowded scenario. That's right. You can look at, we well, can look at either of the two species, bass or bluegill, and you can make pretty significant determinations about the overall health of the bass population just by looking at those two species. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, we were at a lake just, I mean, just a week and a half ago, bass typically what they start stunting is not nine to 14 inches. Um, you look at the mouth size, they eat a three to four inch bluegill. We got a high abundance of of these particular size bass. We look at the bluegills on the other side of this curve, and you couldn't find. We had so many one to two inch bluegill. It looked like it was bluegill crowded. But when you went to the three to fours, they disappeared. And we had a handful of. We shocked a handful of you know six to nine inch bluegill on the on the other side, and the bluegill were gigantic. You know, on the other side of that. Uh, but it was, it was typically that that particular size, those fish had to work too hard and they just weren't getting some growth. So that's exactly what you're saying. He was just, we can look at the bluegill. We can look at the top end predator, no matter if it's bass or any other fish and see the, what it's foraging on and it's disappearing. They're working too hard to get their, get their fish. But I didn't want to hand on what we need to do to get bass growth. We've done a ton of podcasts on that. So I wanted to hit on that the fathead minnow question, you know, and there is a, uh, I think we, uh, pretty well, pretty well answered. Yeah. Anything you I, I think to the ta- I, 
I think the take home is initial stockings definitely do uh, good numbers of fathead minnows. If you have the ability to get fathead minnows cheap and you have a um, bass crowded scenario, you can certainly stock fathead minnows, but it has to be in extremely high numbers. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't take a two acre pond and just add five pounds of fathead minnows and expect them to do anything. You, you need to add extreme numbers of those fish if you can get them for the right price. And you'll see some, I think, some changes uh, in how the bass look just from feeding on those very nutrient rich, uh, easy targets. So stock them originally, stock them if your bass crowded. Uh, and are managing property at that time, but stock them in high numbers, extremely high numbers. I mean, extremely high numbers if you're bass crowded. So um, that's what I, I would have, that's what I would recommend. I have one more thing here I wrote down I didn't talk about. Where we have stocked fathead minnows at high numbers, two scenarios which we have seen results, and the results were because we own a largemouth bass production pond, this guy suffered a little bit of winter kill. It was before a little bit of the foods were developed and they would have, he would lose almost six to 8% of his production through the winter. And the fast, the fish had fat. They just didn't have the right vitamins and nutrients in them to able to survive a stress of it. And a lot of weaker foods would be able to do that. A lot of cheaper foods, I should say. Just didn't have the uh, minerals in there to, to to allow this fish to, uh, to 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 go through that stress event of winter. So yeah. we did stock fathead minnows at uh, I think it was a almost a hundred pounds of fathead minnows in one acre lake, Ooh. and the survival on that uh, was reduction from eight to percent, or the loss of bass went from eight percent to four percent that that winter so it was kind of interesting that they had a little protein popsicle that's cool they ate through there so but again just let balls in line exactly what we're saying is very high densities densities. you want to see if you're going to do that for bass you want to see clouds of fathead minnows when you stock them as a supplemental food source for larger bass you want to see clouds of them not oh hey there's a small school you want to look out there and it looked like a black cloud has descended into the water column black spirits uh, yeah, yeah it needs to look like something's moving in there so yep all right man let's wrap it up start this new year say it one time yeah at one time what's that say it one time say what pimphilus promulus beautiful pimphilus promulus <laughs> that's good that's good that sounded that sounded great yeah, there's two uh, others we need to talk about. Yeah, I usually point. nail the Latin word, Latin terminologies. Yeah. We we need to start. We need to discuss. You know, Notomagonus chrysalucus, which is probably the greatest Latin fish name on the planet. And then we probably should also, you know, discuss at some point uh, Dorsoma petinets, another good one. So, future podcasts, we will let you know in English terms what those particular fish that that troy's talking about all right let's if you, wrap if it up you, if you want if you want to know before the next podcast matt you could visit my what it is wednesdays and i've talked about all three of these species before bam there you go the, uh, <laughs> matt is, y'all matt is so tired he wants me to quit talking so bad i'm talking about he's getting so irritated it's so funny <laughs> well we're gonna wrap it up i am excited about this year thanks for staying with us and listening to another 
year podcast. I think this is going to, I'm pretty excited about this year and how it's going to, uh, what the content has in it. So stay tuned and see you next week. Good to see you, buddy. See y'all soon. All right. This podcast, Sitting Dockside, is brought to you by Private Water Natural Resource Association, a nonprofit built just to educate private pond and lake owners in the water quality and fisheries and all of that good stuff. There's videos, there's places to read, and there's a community built right into that website. So if you want to learn more, jump to pwnra.org and click and by all means make sure that this continues in the future podcast education video become a member if nothing else there's tons of platforms youtube facebook just hit like send a comment we appreciate everything you can do here pwnra